good morning, everyone. It is good to be together today. My name is John, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church. We've got these wonderful people here. We're going to lead you in some worship this morning. So I invite you to go ahead and stand as you're able. And we're going to sing uh, some music this morning. We're going to begin, um, I'll just say a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to begin just by singing a song that's one of my favorite hymns. Um, what a friend we have in Jesus. But let's bow our heads just for a moment. God, we invite your Holy Spirit to dwell in this space this morning. We thank you so much that you are here, that you are among us. That, God, you are present to us in our time of need, in our time of struggle. If we're struggling, Lord, you are here. And we just want to give you praise this morning. We want to invite you into our hearts, into our lives, into this space. Got to pray we could experience uh, the joy of your salvation this morning as we worship together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.
broken pieces of their heart. Blessed are the tears of all the weary, pouring like a sky of falling stars. Blessed are the wounded ones and Enough to show the Lord their scars. Blessed are the hurts that are not hidden, open to the healing touch of God. The kingdom is yours. The kingdom is yours. Hold on a
might be a new one uh, for you all, but it's a, a fun song that uh, really speaks to a truth about God that we can, uh, it talks about casting our cares on God. In the scriptures, it says that we can cast our fears, we can cast our worries, we can cast our doubts and our anxieties upon God because he cares for us and he wants to meet us in our time of need. And so um, I imagine many of us are, are going through Maybe we feel like we've been going through a long, dark night. Maybe we feel like we're in the middle of a fight. Um, and I want you to know that, that God is with you in the midst of that. Um, and that we worship a God who I, I believe is a God who is always greater. Um, a God who is always greater than any of the, the evil and chaos and craziness that's all around us. Um, and so uh, this can be our... Our song that we sing, and, and we try to believe the words as we're singing them in many ways. Um, and so uh, we can sing these over one another this morning. You 
together, we, we do something that I think is one of the most important things we do during our service. For some of you, it may be your least favorite part of our service if you don't like talking to people too much. Um, but what we do is we just take a moment and we just turn to a few people around us. We just share something we're grateful for. Um, first, introduce yourself. That would be great. Um, share something you're grateful for. And then if you also, if you have a lament um, or a protest this morning, then you're welcome to share that too. Um, we live in this just really difficult and profound tension right now where we, we experience a lot of blessing and a lot of goodness and a lot of grace from God, but we also experience so much hardship and pain. And we look around us and we see glimmers of, of signs of hope and, and we see uh, good fruit being produced, but we also see lots of just injustice and oppression and hurt and pain and suffering all around us. And, and we want to stay in that tension. Um, we don't want to just be... Uh, overly optimistic and where we pretend like that there's no badness in the world, no difficult things, and we also don't want to get just sucked into the mire and muck of the hard stuff. And so we, we, we live in this tension between gratitude and lament. And so those of you online, you all can also uh, share in the comments with each other what you're grateful for and what your lament is. But let's do that right now. Just turn to a few people around you. If you see someone by themselves, invite them on over or go to them. Uh, make sure that y'all introduce yourselves and let's just share just for a few moments.
maybe take about 30 seconds and get back to your seat. We'll come back together here. All right, as we think about what we have to be grateful for this morning, we also have two holidays happening today, both of which deserve some recognition. So first, let me just say we are so grateful for all of the fathers and father figures in the room. Happy Father's Day to you today. So grateful for those of you who have family by blood and by choice, um, and your faithfulness to your families and to your communities continues to show us glimpses of God's hesed, his steadfast love. And you know, our Bible is filled with images of fatherhood, and God is even given the name Father, and so there are lots of parallels there for sure. But one of my favorites is actually in Psalm 103, um, where it says in verse 13 and 14 that like a father has compassion on his children, so God has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our form and he remembers that we are made of dust. And I love that because it's, it's like a father has compassion on his children. God acts the same way. So when we see fathers acting with compassion, when we see fathers who, who kneel down and say, I know that you didn't get it right this time. I know that, that this feels broken. I, I know that you didn't quite achieve what you wanted to here. When we see that happening, we see a picture of God. And there are so many of you in this community and who I've known throughout my life who have helped to model God's compassion and that depth of grace and understanding and love to me. And I'm so grateful for that. I love that we can know that piece of God's heart when we look at fathers. And so I thank all of you today for your investment in your families and this community and all of the ways that um, fathering looks in our world today. So thank you so much for that. Our second holiday today that we need to take a moment to recognize as well is Juneteenth. For those of you who don't know about Juneteenth, which if you grew up in a public school system and were from a mostly white area like I was, you might not have been taught about Juneteenth. I was not. It has been in adulthood that I have learned this part of our history, and it's an incredibly important part. Then let me just give a couple sentences of explanation. Juneteenth is a day that's about freedom, ultimately, where we remember that troops came into Texas to finally allow the African-American population of Texas to receive the freedom granted to them by the Emancipation Proclamation two and a half years after it was signed into law. And so that two and a half year delay is not a surprise. That two and a half year delay kind of set the stage for what would continue to be delayed justice on behalf of our black brothers and sisters. And so as we remember that this day recognizes freedom, we also recognize that the work is not done. And so today we want to celebrate. We want to thank our black and brown sisters who continue to educate us, to walk this journey with us and help us to understand that the work is not done. And so in that same psalm that I just referenced, Psalm 103, actually in verse 6, it tells us that God works justice for all the oppressed. And I think that word all is especially important for us to remember today, that, that God's freedom, biblical freedom, is not for one person or one kind of people, but it is for everyone. And it is a freedom that encompasses all of our lives, and it is a freedom that we continue to work alongside Jesus to see become a reality for people who continue to receive less opportunity for people who continue to experience systemic racism regularly. And so today we celebrate and we remember that the work is not done. And so in light of both of these holidays, I would like to just pray this morning for all that we are grateful for and all the tension we remain in together, if you would join me. Father, we are so grateful 
that we can come to you and, and we can know parts of your heart because of the fathers in our lives. God, I thank you for each of the, the men in this room who have invested their lives in others, who have showed up, who have been faithful and constant, who have not been perfect themselves and have given grace when others are not as well. God, I ask your blessing upon fathers and families today, that there would just be a special sense of your presence and a strengthening, um, Lord, for, for whatever lies ahead in the journeys you've called each of these men to. God, we thank you for their lives today. We also thank you for the reality of Juneteenth. We thank you for a freedom that came um, at a delay and that is not fully here. God, we, we celebrate and we long for the fullness that is yet to come. And we pray, Jesus, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit afresh and anew as we continue to think about Pentecost, which is not, not too long in the past. God, we, we thank you that your Holy Spirit pours out and strengthens us. And so, God, we just pray for a fresh outpouring and for renewed strength to continue to work side by side um, to see true freedom for all people. God, we lift up all that we've shared together this morning, all our gratitudes and all our laments, and we entrust them to you because you are a faithful father. You are a father to the fatherless. You are the one who comforts those of us who, who greet this day with pain and with grief and who really um, aren't, aren't quite sure how to get through this day on our own. God, I thank you that we don't have to. I thank you that you've placed us in this family called Embrace and that you are good and faithful to be close to us today, God. So we just entrust everyone to you with all our varying experiences and, and thank you for your presence with us this morning. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Just a few announcements for you this morning. Again, there is an announcement handout available to you on the welcome tables when you come in. I'll encourage you to grab those each week. You never know what cool stuff you're going to find out. Unless, of course, you read the email before church because there's also an email that goes out. So if you are not on that list and would like to be, feel free to let us know. You can do that via the Connect card that is in your pew. It's that bright blue piece of paper. And you can use that to tell us multiple different things. If you would like to meet with a pastor or learn more about small groups or service opportunities, you can also use the QR code that's on there to give online this morning if you would like to do that from your smartphone. If you want to give while you are in person here in the room, there is also a box at the back and over here to the side door where you can give contributions. And if you fill out a Connect card, feel free to slip that in the same box this morning. There's also space on the Connect card to share a prayer request. And if you would like to do that this morning, you can, or you can always email prayer at embraceyourcity.com. And there's a dedicated group of individuals who keep those confidential, but who lift them up regularly. We believe that none of us are called to walk this journey of faith alone, and allowing us to pray for you and with you is a great way to experience the partnership of your brothers and sisters bearing your burdens with you. And so I invite you to take advantage of that opportunity. I will just remind you last Last week was the first week, and then next week is the last week of our second Bible class where we're talking about historical context. Um, Jackie did a great job getting us started, and Julie did a great job this morning, and we'll get to hear from Dustin next week. If you've missed that so far, it's not too late to join. It's at 9 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall before church, and we're also recording it. So if you would like access to those recordings, um, you can find them, I think, on YouTube after the fact. Yes, that is true. Um, and so other than that, I will just let you know this morning we do have Wonder Room, um, but it's going to not end the way it normally does because our service is ending a little differently today. We are going to have a baptism at the end of service today. Um, and so we are going to come back down from the Wonder Room together because we want everybody to be able to experience the joy of baptism. 
So I know that that might make us think if we're back in the same room, we need to reconnect, but I promise you we will be safe sitting together for the last few minutes. So please um, allow your child to stay with the Wonder Room group. Uh, we'll sit probably up front here, and you can come grab your child after the service. I will also say to those of you in the room, please stay with us for the very end for the baptism. And the communion song is not the last thing happening today. So please stay in the room and join us for the joy of baptism. Um, and at this point, I will go ahead and release the Wonder Room students and their parents. If it is your first time, you are welcome to walk up there. Yep, let's applaud. Let's applaud for them as they come forward. Yes. <clears throat> So we're going to sing a song that we actually sang last week, but it was a new one for us. And so I wanted to repeat it because I, I really loved it. Um, and I, I know that some of you all really connected with the message. It's really about living in that tension and that promise that, that God is going to be with us through it all. You know, God never, I can't find anywhere where God promises that life's going to be easy. Um, Jesus never said that. Life was going to be a, a walk in the park when you follow him. Um, frankly, he, he said that life was going to be hard for us when we follow him. And, uh, but the promise that he did make many times over was that he wouldn't leave us as orphans. He would be with us through it all. Um, and so that's really what this song is about. I was holding on with all my might. Just praying for a ray of light, someone to hold me through the night. When I thought that I had lost my mind, I was all alone and it got too quiet. You never let me go, you never left my side. You're with us while we wait. With us while we wait, while we hope for better days. You're with us while we wait. I was holding on with all my might, just praying for. Ray of light, someone to hold me through the night. When I thought that I had lost my mind, when I was all alone and it got too quiet, you never let me go, never left my side. You're with us while we wait. With us while we wait, while we hope for better days. With us while we wait, there's peace for our anxiety, a comfort for our suffering. Healing we have yet to see. 
you so much that you are with us through the ups and downs of life we thank you that you have given us your spirit that lives in us and is working and moving all around us thank you that we are not alone I pray this morning that we would just feel Lord your your presence here in this space here in our hearts that we would be encouraged and challenged by the word that you have for us today. Lord, thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So today um, is exciting for a few reasons. We have a baptism, which is awesome. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that at the end of our service. We've been baptizing uh, lots of babies lately. Um, it's been really cool to see. Um, but we also have a friend of mine who's going to be preaching for us today. And so I'll go ahead and invite Rick Bard to come up to the front. Let's give Rick a hand. So Rick and I have been colleagues for quite a while now, yep. but we did not meet until a couple of years ago, really after you retired. Uh, it's not until we met. Uh, but I was told by people, they're like, you need to know Rick. I think he moved back to Lexington. He's a great guy. You need to really get to know this guy. Um, and he could be a great uh, support to your church and may even want to get involved and embrace. And, and we met together, and lo and behold, they found their way to our church, Rick and his <laughs> wife, Debbie. And so we're so grateful to have them here. And uh, they've really jumped in and just want to be committed. But, but Rick's been a pastor for, um, I believe, your whole career, right? Yeah. Um, and he's going to share just a little bit about himself in a moment. But I'm really happy he's going to share a word with us this morning. And so 
I'll turn it over to you. Hey, man, thank you. Hello, wonderful, beautiful people of Embrace. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Um, I am excited this morning. I have uh, opportunities to speak or preach to come my way. And because I have such an important mission in life uh, with my three grandsons and my family who are with me today, uh, you know, I, I've got stuff to do, right? Grandparents, you've got stuff to do, right? Um, I, don't, I don't preach very often, so it's been a while, but I am excited, and I'm excited for this reason. Um, first of all, Brace, Embrace has enriched our lives in this uh, time where our world is so troubled. It's like the foundation's being shaken in so many ways, and so many people are struggling, and it's helped to ground me and to ground us, my wife and I, and we're thrilled uh, to be part of what the mission is here and of this church. So thank you for being here today, and uh, we'll jump right in uh, to the message because I am excited and time is limited and I want to get things um, um, moving. Um, each and every week, we're challenged as a church. We're in, we're in a series uh, called A Year with Jesus, and we're using, using primarily the Gospel of Luke to take a look and focus at Jesus each and every Sunday. Now, that's not necessarily rare in churches, but that has helped us really accept the challenge that our pastors give us each and every week to look for a different world, to make the world, as troubled as it is, to make the world a little bit more like heaven itself, to bring more of God into the world, even through we as human resources. Jesus left us a prayer, and in that prayer, he said, pray these things. And one of the things he said is, pray this. Pray to God, your kingdom come, your will be done on where? Earth. Earth, as it is where? So somehow, Jesus' prayer was that you and I would bring a part, a piece of what's up there down here. The goal of the Christian life is not to just die one day and get up there. It's to do something while we're here. And that something is to join Jesus in creating a world that is more loving, where hope is restored in people's lives, where they no longer believe that they're alone at a time when it's so easy to feel alone. And so that's our mission. And the way this church has embraced that mission stirs my heart, and you can see that. So we're digging deep in Luke's gospel for a specific reason. Luke is really concerned about people that are marginalized in the world. His emphasis is on the poor. His emphasis is on women who had basically no rights in the first century. His emphasis is on those who are mentally or physically challenged and pushed again to the edge of their society, to the very friends. So this morning's story is about a person, a man, who has this unbelievable condition. It's hard for us as modern people to get our minds around a first century world, pre-scientific world. And so this man's story this morning is one where he faces physical, mental, and spiritual conditions. It comes from the book of Luke. And the story before this is where Jesus calms a storm. He's traveling with his disciples across the Sea of Galilee, and he's now going to land in a territory that opens up a whole new ministry for him. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And it's titled in the NIV, the New International Version, which I'm going to read from, Jesus Restores a Demon-Possessed Man, and it reads this way. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, 
he was met by a demon-possessed man from town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you not to torture me. Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and been driven with the, by the demon into the solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? The man replied, Legion, because many had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss, that is to a hell, a foreign place where, you know, they were alone. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let him go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man with the demons that had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people and how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave. They were overcome with fear, so he got in a boat and he left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I don't know what your questions are about this passage today, but I bet you've got some. I don't want to disappoint you. I'm not going to answer a lot of them. I do want to focus on some very important things that are in this text. When we, when we just take a look at it, we see so much that we could dig into. But we find this fascinating story of a man who goes from being totally rejected and feared by his community to someone who's restored to his true self and sent back into the community to tell people what God has done. I want to dig into the backstory for a minute. Because it's so important for Luke and for us to get our minds around his story of Jesus. The story represents Jesus as a boundary breaker. Prior to the boat trip across the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had been operating in Jewish territory. Uh, often in the first seven chapters of Luke, le leading up to our story in chapter 8, Jesus is in trouble with spiritual leaders for breaking Sabbath rules. He healed people on the Sabbath. And he not only healed people on the Sabbath, he often healed, in many minds, the wrong people. People, again, who were on the edges and the fringes of life, not accepted into society. So religious legalism was present then, and it's present now, and it's deadly. It's deadly to the soul and spirit of a person. Jesus wasn't just healing people on the Sabbath. He was healing people, the wrong people. At this moment in our history, whether you live in Lexington or somewhere else, in the world really, I believe 
it's as important as ever for us as followers of Jesus to find ways to cross boundaries into lives that are marginalized, where people are devalued and even sometimes demonized. How are we going to do that? Again, there's a lot of details in the story, and a lot of things our minds go, oh, I wonder about this, and I wonder about that, and I wonder about some of those things too. But Jesus' trip across the lake with his disciples in this, in this story, this morning, it reminds us of an important shift in Jesus' ministry. There's a tip-off that Jesus is doing something radical because pigs are mentioned. You say, what? Now, in the very beginning of the text, the first verse I read, 26, we know that Jesus goes to a different geographic area. How many biblical uh, geographic experts do we have in the room? I see, I see one or two who might be. Most of us probably don't catch that Jesus has entered Gentile territory. What do I mean by that? Territory where every, most people are not Jews. He's entered a different place. And I, 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 when I read the bizarre thing with the pigs drowning the Sea of Galilee, it began to really dawn on me in a way it hadn't in the past that Jesus is now fully in Gentile territory because Jewish people didn't keep pigs or eat pigs. So this is a Gentile area. Jesus is really opening up a whole new worldwide ministry according to Luke. And so the area was primarily Gentile. There were still Jews that were living there. But again, this idea of the pigs is interesting. Now, I don't want to offend my, my vegan or vegetarian friends, but last night I went to a, a soul food festival, and I had barbecue, and it was really good. I don't know if I want to live in a world where you can't eat bacon and barbecue, but anyway... This move by Jesus is huge, huge because he's starting a new movement. This movement has touched our lives here today. Your life and mine has impacted us. And now we're invited again to join Jesus in making the world more loving and just. A world where cycles of pain, resentment, and guilt are broken. I want to take you back to the very first verse I read. Because this, this makes it crystal clear. I want you to look at what happens as the boat arrives. Again, the disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee into this new territory. In the midst, they hit a storm, and Jesus stills the storm, the waves, and the wind. And, and you just, I kind of, kind of go, well, if Jesus can do that, Jesus can do anything in our lives. And as soon as the boat arrives, I think the, the, the disciples were want, wanting some, some quiet, some respite. From all the intensity and criticism Jesus was receiving. And maybe Jesus was wanting that too. But here's what it says. They sailed to the lands of the Gerasenes, which is on the other side of Galilee. And he got, as he got out of the boat, a demon-possessed man from town met him. As soon as he lands, before he has a chance to stretch his legs hardly, this man falls down in front of him, screaming, crying, shouting at the top of his lungs, when I think about the humanness of the disciples, I wonder if one of the disciples didn't want to tap Jesus on the back and say, hey, hey, Jesus, can we go back to where we were, you know? Sometimes I think the most important thing we can do with an amazing event like this in Scripture is not to explain it away, but maybe instead use our imagination a little bit to enter into the story. We just heard our children 
be invited to the wonder room. When they encounter scripture there, they're not given a bunch of answers. They're not given a bunch of things to regurgitate back to the leader. They're told a story from the Bible, and then they're invited in. I wonder, I wonder this, I wonder that, and they respond. And I wonder, as we look at this, if we don't need to do some of that, or maybe you would in your own mind, like, I wonder how the community treated him after years of keeping, keeping him at a distance, of being afraid of him. And maybe even they tried to help him, but they couldn't do it. I wonder if the man would ever be able to really believe he was cured unless he had had that visible demonstration of the pigs running into the sea. I wonder if the man's family was still alive and if they were able to embrace him after this. And was it a great rejoicing or was it a, I don't know. I wonder if the man who had had this life-changing miracle didn't still have problems as he went through life. I, I feel sure he did. I have lots of questions. I don't have the answers, but here's what I know. Some of what was considered to be unclean spirits can be explained a different way. Some of what was considered demon possession in the first century, we now know were, some were mental conditions schizophrenia, depression, other things. One of my favorite professors in seminary was a man by the name of Fred Craddock. He was a New Testament scholar and a great preacher. I took every preaching class I could under Fred Craddock, who is no longer uh, living, but was a great influence on me. In his commentary on the New Testament, he writes this. This is kind of a lengthy quote. It won't be on the screen, so lean in and kind of get your mind around it. Dr. Craddock writes of this passage, while it is true that phenomenon now understood as epilepsy, paranoia, or other forms of physical or mental illness were attributed to evil spirits in the pre-scientific age, this is not sufficient to explain away such biblical stories as mere primitive superstition. Within the worldview of their time, they used evil spirits as a way of expressing the reality of evil powers to which human life is subject in every age. Modern readers may no longer believe in spirits in the same way as the people of the first century. But listen to this. But human beings in every age confront the powers of evil at work in the world and within their own lives. Having been a pastor over four decades, one of the real values that I've come to appreciate, one of the great values of biblical imagery is that it pictures the vast reservoir of evil which threatens us from which we cannot deliver ourselves. Jesus gets down in the dirt with this man. This is, to me, the most powerful part. Everyone is upset, people are mad, people are afraid, they don't know what to feel. And Jesus is calm. He speaks very few words in this passage. There's no incantation when he delivers a man. We're told later in the passage that he was delivered from the, the um, spirits that were in him. Jesus asks him, what's your name? And then later he speaks to the man who's been healed. That's the only two places Jesus speaks in this whole story. Sometimes it's hard to know where we need to turn. 
God's provided so many ways for us to get help when we need it. But it's up to us to admit we need help. And that's where I kind of want to spend some time. To admit we need help. It's hard, it's hard for all of us. I love, the, I love the story of the four-year-old little boy who slipped out the back door of his house and into the backyard. And his dad was standing at the kitchen sink. And his dad had parked his pickup truck in the backyard, back end of the backyard. And the tailgate was down, and he unloaded some stuff off his big four-wheel drive. And then he came in the house, and the sun slipped out, and he watched the sun. And the sun went to the back of the pickup truck, started climbing up on the tailgate, and all of a sudden, he couldn't go forward, and he couldn't go backward without falling. He was stuck. And the dad saw his son saying something, but he couldn't hear him through the window. The little boy turned this way and say something, that way and turned something. So the dad went over and opened the door very quietly, the back door so he could hear. And the little boy was hung there, and he was saying this, Somebody help the boy! Somebody help the boy! All of us, at times, need help to reach out. The help you and I need may not be as dramatic as this man in Luke. Maybe you're dealing with worry or fear. Regret. Maybe you've been hurt in a relationship. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's depression. As a pastor, people come to you with lots of different problems. And there's always that opportunity to hear and listen, primarily. To pray with people. And it's, it's a meaningful, a very meaningful thing. And sometimes in certain cases, you know, people tell you things like, you know, I'm not sleeping, I'm really anxious, I'm not eating, whatever, whatever. There, there are situations where you, you, you want to give some guidance. And I learned over the years, sometimes what I needed to suggest was that someone go see their doctor and get checked out or go to a clinic that's nearby and get checked out. And sometimes I would say, you know, some counseling would help you deal with what's going on in your life. It can be part of God's healing. And, of course, all the time we can reach out to Jesus and sometimes I think when we ask for help, you know what Jesus may be saying to us? Go see your doctor. Get alongside of someone who you can talk to and get this out of just yourself or your self-talk and someone you trust and someone that can guide you. And counseling can be that. Absolutely. We need it. Earlier, we sang this song in the middle of the night when worry finds me. I don't know about you, but sometimes there's, there's something beyond just those things and something deeper going on in us, and we need to be able to reach out to the one who can really and truly help us. And so the song says, cast all your cares upon the Lord because the Lord cares about you. I don't know if there's anyone here who those worries and troubles seem to find you most during the night. Is there anybody, you don't have to hold your hand up or raise your hand or nod your head, but I got one hand up back there. I think that's my grandson. Okay. You're too young to have problems like that. Oh. It seems like it's, it's in the darkness, doesn't it, that evil feels like it's the closest, whatever sort it may be. I've learned that it's helpful in the middle of that night to, to repeat something, and, and whether that's, you know, something you have, you can say, I don't know. But what I've learned to say, and it's helpful to say, is I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. 
I belong to Jesus. Again, I don't know what you're dealing with right now. But the key to understanding this passage is not to get too focused on the healing and the response. But it's rather to focus on what Jesus' actions reveal. Jesus longs to help you and me if we reach out to him. Admit we need help. Invite him into our lives. The healed man wants to go with Jesus, right? That's the way the story ends. I think this is the really important part for us. Something amazing has happened in his life, and he goes to Jesus and said, I want to go with you. What's Jesus say? He said, no. Here's, here's the deal. Here's why you've been put here, to bring some of up there, up there, down here. Go back into your community and tell what God has done. How can we go to our community and live out our love for Christ? There are a lot of ways. But I want to suggest a couple. And they're really based on a life uh, of a man named John Perkins. Can you put up Dr. Dr. Perkins' picture? This is John Perkins. He's 92 years old. He's been a tremendous influence in the Christian world. And in some ways, just because of his upbringing in rural Mississippi, his brother being murdered by a racist, his own being thrown in prison and beaten, the hardships of poverty, dropping out of school, between the third and fourth grade, and yet he's gone on as God shaped his life as a Christian preacher and leader to influence the Christian church in so many ways with his principles that are meant for really changing a community. And they're used by many, many people. He's written a number of books. He has 12 different uh, honorary degrees uh, I mean, he is an amazing man. And so I want to give you these two takeaways. What can we do? Okay, what do we do with all this? I think being barrier breakers for us can be easier than we think and maybe sometimes harder than we think. But if, if Dr. Perkins has taught me anything, in the Christian church anything, it's this. We're to embrace or embracing diversity. And that is by seeking diverse relationships in a fractured world, one of the most powerful ways to demonstrate our love for Christ is to reach across the barriers that separate us. Dr. Perkins says this, in the church, we don't tolerate diversity, we celebrate it. And that's certainly what we do here. God created everyone unique. Nobody looks just like you. You're not one in a million, you're one in seven billion. You've been uniquely put here. You have. And God wants to use that and wants you to claim that mission for your life. If you have a problem with people who are different than you, then ultimately you have a problem with God because God created us all unique. Embracing diversity might be just as simple as walking across the street with your neighbor. That person of color you pass day in and day out on your way into the office or whatever it is to just Build a relationship to, to talk, to ask about their life. Let them get to know your life. It's not that hard, but we have to be willing to get out of the boxes we get in. And the last thing is this, and I'll close with this. We are to affirm the dignity of others. Affirming another person's dignity is so important. We don't give people dignity, according to Dr. Perkins. They already have, we all have, already have it. We're creating the image of God. We can't affirm it, though. How do we do that? Three ways. By listening to people. It's amazing. 
when you listen to someone and know something about their story. Second, it is to make eye contact, literally to make eye contact with people. It's a powerful thing when you give your attention to someone. You're giving them your most important thing, your time. And lastly, to learn. To learn from it. We can learn something from everyone. If you figured this out, everyone's ignorant in some areas. And everyone is smart in some areas. When my car breaks down, I am totally ignorant of what to do about it. I say, when, they, when I call them and they, you know, they say, well, what's wrong with it? I said, it's broke. Okay, that's all I know. It's broke. But you know a lot about it. And when we realize, no matter someone's station in life, that we can learn from them. Some of the deepest lessons come from people who are very different than us. As we go into communion, I want to pray a quick prayer. Would you bow with me? Gracious God, you've, you are loving. You've created us in your image to love you. I thank you for the opportunities we have to take what we've been given in life and do some good with it. We know that you're the one, you who stilled the waves, you who calms the heart, you who guides us through, you who doesn't always pick us up out of the trouble we're in, but gives us the strength to persevere while we're in it and to witness through that. You, Jesus, who suffered, went to the cross because of your enemies and were raised through your resurrection to know that you're, so that we might know you're always with us. We come now to your sacrament to remember again your presence in the now, that you're with us, you as the risen Christ, present through your Holy Spirit right now with us as we partake. Let this be for us, food for the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone's invited to participate. Hopefully you got, if you do not have a communion cup, um, please hold your hand up. Maybe we'll get somebody to get, deliver some more of those. Uh, go ahead and start taking that first level of paper off. This can be a little complicated, actually. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, do this in remembrance of me. And it's a remembrance that's brought into the presence in the sacrament. That Christ is especially present as we do this together. So I invite you, this is the body of Christ for you. I invite you to receive. On the night, that night, in the upper room, he said, this is my blood which is shed for you and for the sins of many. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's receive the cup. Father God, you are both our mother and father. You are whole and complete and want us to be whole. Let your healing grace reign on us. And may this sacrament, your word, our worship together, lead us to go and tell the good news of what you've done for us. That the world might be 
a little more loving and just and whole. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said,
Every wall I built up, every wall I built up, cause you deserve every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart. Come tear down the walls I've built up, every wall I've built up, every wall I've built up, cause you deserve every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart, every piece of my heart. Right. Well, I'm excited about how we're ending our service today. We're going to have a baptism. We've done a few of these lately, which has been uh, really neat to have lots of families um, who are wanting their children to be raised up in the Christian faith, wanting their children to experience God's grace and God's goodness through the sacrament of baptism. So this is a really special time. It's not something they're just doing themselves or just with their families. This is something that we're all involved in as the as the church, um, as our local church, but then the broader body of Christ that um, we're not the same after this because a a new person has been initiated and incorporated into um, our 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 community here at Embrace and beyond. And so through this uh, service, it's not a very long one, but Um, There will be some parts where you all will participate. If you've been here in the past few months, you've probably done a few of these recently. And uh, I'll make it clear when you're supposed to read um, and when I am, but just uh, stay locked in because this is a thing we're all doing together this morning. And so I'll go ahead and invite um, everyone to come up. So Josiah and Savannah and Montgomery are going to come up along with their um, Montgomery's godparents, uh, Benjamin and Kylie. So let's give them a hand as they come to the front. Love that bat- baptism outfit. Looking sharp this morning. So brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty act of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without price. So this morning I present for baptism uh, Montgomery Bow Barkdahl, son of Josiah and Savannah Barkdahl. You ready for this? 
So Josiah and Savannah, on behalf of the whole church, um, I have a few questions I want to ask you. These first uh, three, you'll just answer, I do, if you agree. So first, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers in this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? All right, and this next one you can answer, I will. So will you nurture Monty in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example he will be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and lead a Christian life? All right, and then I have a question for the godparents as well, and yours is simple. Will you serve, will you who serve as godparents to Monty support and encourage him in his Christian life? Right. And I have a question for you all embrace. Do you, as Christ's body, embrace church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? If you agree, say, we do. This next one's a little longer, so you'll read it with me on the screen. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life? And include this child now before you in your care. With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround this child with a community of love and forgiveness that he may grow in his service to others. We will pray for him that he may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. Let us join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, and we can join together with this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This next part, there's going to be some parts I'm going to say in white, and your part will be in yellow. Do we have that, Tim? All right, good. So um, there'll be a part where we pray, but keep your eyes open for this prayer, because you'll have a part to say along with me. So the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb, He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. 
pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and he who receives it to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness through his life that dying and being raised with Christ he may share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. All right, Montgomery Bow, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Members of the household of faith, I commend to your love and care Montgomery Bow Barkdahl, whom we this day recognize as a member of the family of God. Will you so endeavor to live that this child may grow in the knowledge and love of God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. With God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that this child, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. Let's give him a hand and welcome him into the church this morning. All right, well, um, in a moment, I'll give you the benediction. Before that, I just want to let you all know, um, it would be wonderful if y'all would come uh, greet this family uh, before you leave today and just welcome um, Monty into our, officially into our church family this morning. Um, they've got a lot of family here in town as well that I'm sure would love to meet you all also. And so, um, as you're able, let's all stand together for the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.